Candy Lewis with a story to tell. Holla. Thank you. Thank you so much, Colette. Hello, world. Welcome to 2022. This is our first time speaking with you since last year, and I pray that you have all been well, that you have been taking care of yourself. If you've listened to the last show, you heard about how COVID and um, this new strain is just really wreaking havoc, not only on our world, but our families. So I implore you to please take it easy, to be safe, to be vaccinated. If you choose not to be vaccinated, to make sure that you aren't spreading any germs and that you are masked up. So I am Candy Lewis. I'm the CEO of Positive Results Center, and I'm excited to be alive. I am thankful and grateful to be alive. And I'm excited about this conversation today because we're going to be talking about the voice, the voices of the houseless and displaced youth. And I'm bringing in my friend, my mentor, my sister partner, um, Janet Kelly from Sanctuary of Hope. And we're going to be talking a lot. But right now, I just really want to, um, you know, I really want to be, take a moment to be grateful. And I know there's a lot of us that have been challenged and we're going through some things. But I want you to remember that there's hope. So we have to really keep hope alive um, to make sure that we stay safe, that we start thinking good and positive things. Because, see, once you uplift positive words and positive thoughts, then your life starts to turn just a little bit to the good side, as opposed to when we think negative. When we think negative, guess what? All kind of mess happens because that's all you're thinking about. When you think negativity and like when you tell yourself terrible things, you'll never amount to anything. Oh my God, my life is stupid and life is just effed up. Well, then guess what? That's how life is going to be. So you have to make sure that you're speaking life, love, positivity, good energy um, right into the world. And so speaking of love and life and positive energy, they get no better than my friend Janet. <laughs> Janet, come on in. Am I going to be able to see uh, Janet? Um, so. I'm, I'm pressing the start video, but it's not opening. It's just X'd out. So I don't know what that is. Okay, Mr. Kendricks, can you help us get Janet in here? Let's we see. Need to see Janet. Um, you have an so, X on your little camera there, Janet. Yes, and every time I press it, it's not it's not opening. It says cannot start video. Please select another video camera in settings. Okay, Ooh, for some reason, you, in your settings, it's, it's looking at it's looking for the wrong camera. So and while we, Janet is yeah, getting we, that together with Mr. Hendrick's help. I want to say thank you to everyone who is joining us. I see my friend, my community partner, my coworker, Miss Crystal, was on the line. Is that you, Miss Gabrielle? Oh, girl, thank you for joining us, Benny. What's up, Jenny? Yeah. Hey. <laughs> y'all, let me I'm tell here. you. Right, let me tell y'all about this queen right here. Okay, you know we got a lot of women. 
you're in a lot of people. Okay, let me say that. Mm-hmm. We have a lot of people running around here talking about queens. And, you know, we have queens, we have bosses, we have all these um, nouns, but just, not all of us walk the walk and talk mm-hmm. the talk. But this one here, she does. Janet is not only smart, intelligent, a fabulous uh, CEO, mother, community partner. Uh, I think I read something earlier. Another one of my sister friends, Gina, put out. She said that she was loved as a child. So she's not a hater as an adult. So I think I am. That's what I feel from Janet, that she was loved, and she still gives that love. So, Janet, why don't you take yes. a moment and introduce yourself to our guest? Well, great, and thank you so much for having me, and always the kind words. You know you always make me blush, because I don't... But, again, thank you for um, inviting me into, into this space of a story to tell. My name is, for the audience, my name is Janet um, Kelly, and I'm the executive director or CEO of Sanctuary of Hope. And what Sanctuary of Hope does is provide youth development and human services for young people who have or are presently child welfare involved, justice impacted, um, housing or economically insecure or at promise. So a lot of the work that we do with young people, as well as young families, and even sometimes the families with whom um, they have relations with or broken relationships with, is really around um, how do we help them tap into their resiliency so that they're able to, to thrive. And that could be in the areas of housing, where we have housing resources, uh, education, uh, family reunification, basic needs, just a variety of services, whatever it's going to take for a young person to become stable on their feet and have a positive outlook about the future. Thank you so much, Janet. Now, I know there's a lot of people that are, are listening and they're mm-hmm. saying like, you're saying some words that are like new to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the things that would, the question that was asked Uh, I said, I titled this houseless Mm -hmm. as opposed to homeless. Mm -hmm. So can you share with us what's the difference between houseless and homeless? Well, I I don't really differentiate between the two more than what I say is when we talk about young people without a home, because oftentimes the word homeless and even the word houseless can be an identity. And that's not an identity that young people want to be associated with because they're all unique individuals. They all have a background and they all have a story to tell about how they've even come to being, how they're walking this life, how they're navigating this life as an adolescent, as a young adult. And so really um, what I often use is I always say young people without homes or young people who are in a economic or housing insecure or um, or instate or unstable situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds that's, good. Yeah, so it really boils down to the identity because no one wants to be labeled or termed a homeless youth, a houseless right. youth. You right. want to be known as the person you are who is in an experience, and whether and that experience is being without a home. 
Wow, that's pretty deep to think about young people. You know, uh, as I think about prior to doing this work, when I was just in corporate America going on with my life, not giving anything a thought other than myself and my family, you know, I never thought about homeless youth. And I'm going to be honest, I'm going I'm to tell you real talk because, you know, anytime I thought about homeless, I always thought about like hobos. You know, people who vagrants and people who just like didn't want anything. They just, you know, they were just there. They didn't want to go and get a home or they couldn't get a home or they were happy living on the streets. And so, I but I never once thought about a kid being homeless. How do kids become homeless? And I, you know, I know this, but this is for the audience. So. <laughs> yes. And you know what? I don't think most people even understand how how a child could be homeless or without a home or how a child could be without a, a network or support. But there are so many ways that young people fall into being without a home, whether it is a loss of one or both parents and becoming orphaned. Maybe it's being... Um, I, I always say swept up <laughs> into our child welfare system. It could be in many cases that we've seen over the past couple of years, uh, family conflict was really the number one, is the number one source among many young people who leave their homes or run away because either of abuse, neglect, or, or um, an inability to have uh, conversations or communicate with family members about their needs, their wants, their, or even just to have communication too. And we, we, we always talk, we never talk a lot about emotional neglect. Um, Girl, among, yeah. A lot of times we never talk about emotional neglect, but emotional neglect is, is very real, you know, for our young people. And, and it's, it could just be a number of things and, and, and just remember, you know, oftentimes people, and I even at one point in time myself had these high expectations about, about what young people should be doing. One, because we grew up in an area where, okay, you say, pick yourself up by your bootstraps. Okay, well, yeah, we, we could pretty much because during that time, a lot more things were affordable, right? Right. Um, are the strength of our family, the strength of our family, the concept of our, of our family and those networks were far more stronger than what they are today. Yeah. And so all of those things kind of played a role in us, those of us who grew up, who are, who are gener, generation Xers and below, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 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 grew up in a different era where encountering um, being without a home just didn't seem that significant except for the push be except for systemic racism that's that's of course permeates within you know some of our child welfare and justice systems but just to answer your question it could be any of those factors but what we found is that the number one reason family conflict for those young people who run away and find themselves on the street. And then the second reason is for those who are child welfare or justice impacted within those systems, find themselves on the street as well. You know, it's true. I remember, I remember 
I was coming out of a business. I don't remember if it was where I was working or not, but I remember coming out of a business and I saw, and I had to go there. Like I must've been working there because I had to go for several days. And every day I saw this boy, couldn't have been more than middle school. And this girl who looked like she was clearly elementary age coming in and out of this motel. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? And then just one day, because, you know, I'm nosy like that. I'm just um, watching them the whole day going in and out. And I'm like, why aren't they in school? Where are their parents? And finally, you know, I just went over and I asked, are you guys okay? Is there anything you need? And at first they didn't want to open up the door, but because I'm persistent, I kept going back like three, four days. Mm -hmm. And then I would just start taking them food and found out that um, the parent, one of the parents had uh, got sick and went to the hospital and they just never saw that parent again. And so they had money. They didn't have a lot of money, but they stayed really low key so that they would not be noticed and be taken from each other because that was the one thing they wanted to do to make sure that they stayed together. And, and that really stayed with me so that, you know, you think about how many parents may be single parents and they die and leave a kid or something happens to them on their way home or on their way uh, to work or something and the kids don't see them anymore that is so horrific and it happens all the time. All the time. That's that family conflict. We've all seen that. I have uh, one of my daughters has a good friend. And when they were in uh, high school, the girl came over and wanted to know if she could live with us because she didn't want to live with her mother and father who were substance abusers uh, and not users, abusers. And she didn't want to stay with her grandparents because they were moving to another state. And I'm like, okay, so how are we going to make this happen? But I said, okay. And but I think what happened was uh, she went and stayed with an aunt. And the crazy part was, was it was even a worse situation because she wound up sleeping on the couch. The couch was the center place for all the nonsense and she couldn't go to bed until like one in the morning. Mm. And eventually the aunt started charging her to stay on the couch. You know, so I really want to talk about um, something or someone in particular so that we could tell a story. And you said that you have some stories to tell. So what you want to share with us? Who are you going to? I know you're, you're not going to mention the name, but male, female, um, uh, gender neutral. What are we talking about? Well, when I, when I, when I talked about, uh, there's so many stories to tell about young people and their resiliency, but there's also stories to tell about, about family members who Mm -hmm. think, and I, and, and, and I only say this to say, just to give you just, (laughs) just a story. For example, I mean, we had a grandmother who brought their adult I'm talking about a 19, 20 year old over to the center and wanted to safe surrender. And I'm like, okay, right? And this is, this is a 19 year old. The 19 year old is going wild. The 19 year old won't listen. And they don't want that person in the home anymore. And my, my conversation was, 
this young person has a place to go. You need to figure out something that you need to resolve within the household to reduce the conflict. Because if you have the expectation of just dropping a young person off at a center anywhere in Los Angeles County, I can tell you this, there are not enough beds in the inventory for a young person to just drop in and occupy. Literally, it's not. And so, you know, at, I mean, we're at a point in time where, where parents and when I say parents, I'm also talking about caregivers. I'm talking about guardians. I'm talking about anyone who's caring for a young person and you get frustrated and you say, go to a shelter. They're going to take care of you. Let me tell you this. Nine times out of 10, you could go to a shelter, but you're not going to be able to get into housing one right away. Number two, young people who are literally on the streets, I mean, literally on the streets, sleeping in their cars, sleeping on park benches, are those young people who are going to be prioritized first. Right. For any type of housing, any type of housing resource. So we need to think, talk about oftentimes, how are we a part of the solution? The story of how are we a part of the solution, especially when we're talking about young people and young people in our own households. So what you really mean is how are we talking about that we're part of the problem? That's what you're really talking about. Let's let's call a thing a thing, Jenny. So let me take a pause for the cause. And um, I see that we have some awesome guests on the line. Um, if you want to ask a question, please put it in the chat. We want to hear from you. We want to know your thoughts. Uh, so don't hesitate to chime in and give us your thoughts in the chat. And we will make sure that we bring that conversation up. And you are listening to Janet Kelly, CEO of Sanctuary of Hope. And Sanctuary of Hope is located in Los Angeles. And they do uh, amazing programs with youth and young adults. And Positive Results is located in Gardena. But we cover all of California. So don't hesitate to uh, reach out to us. And Janet, before we get done, I will ask you to share your, your um, contact information. But I really want to talk about how we are a problem. How is the problem in our homes with the lack of communication and the high expectations or maybe the lack of expectations and definitely the lack of accountability um, causing us to lose our kids and our parents to not want to have to deal with our kids. I mean, it's not even a simple matter of parents not parenting. Okay, that's one of the issues. Um, because if we talk about systemic racism, we have to also talk about the fact that a lot of uh, the communities that we're working in are dealing with the war on drugs 50 years later. Um, and so yeah. A lot of parents never even learn how to be a parent. People don't know how to have conversation. They don't know how to be respectful. And so there's a lot of, excuse my language, bullshit going on. Um, and it makes everybody angry. So what do, we, what do we need to do about that? How do we handle that? Other than them calling positive <laughs> or calling sanctuary of hope. But I think a lot of it too is is kind of kind of Western culture thinking too about 
parenting and not even recognizing too that in this new day and age of information and new technology and things in front of your face that you know our presence when I say presence I mean mean being I'm physically present emotionally present mentally present yeah (laughs) it's extremely important for young people now more than ever. And, you know, one of the statistics that we share, we share consistently is that households are spending less than 32 minutes together at a dinner table, less than 32 minutes having a conversation. What do you mean at the dinner table? I know folks that don't have a dinner table. They're not, they're not. Exactly. Exactly. So eat at my house all together. But, but, but if, if, even if you're not eating and you're still spending less than 32 minutes in a 24 hour day, having a conversation with your children and understanding what's happening with your children and the activities that, that are um, a part or shapes even who they are, Mm -hmm. you know, in this new digital era, era, it's, it, it is a source and sense of conflict. I mean, I have a, I have a 13-year-old and I have a 10-year-old and you already know I have conversations with you all the time about <laughs> about the difficulties of parenting this generation as opposed to my older adult kids um older adult kids and how even right now my presence is more needed now more than ever but just I just want to circle back just going back to kind of how does this relate to young people, family conflict, and them um, potentially ending up on the street, right? Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we, when we talk about, uh, we, we talk about single parent households and even two parent households where families are working, you know, 16, 18 hour shifts, working long hours to, to make ends meet, just to put food on the table, all of those things, right? Right. which doesn't lend or leave time for a lot of family engagement or family bonding or, 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 or um, reinforcing family relationships. Right. And when those, when, and when that starts to fragment, right. And, and that whole relational base starts to break down, what happens? It's kind of thing, what I, what we talked about earlier, the emotional neglect, the mental neglect, right. all of those things. And so what do young people do oftentimes when they want to get attention? What do they do? Let me tell you, you know, the difference (laughs) before we go there, the difference between good attention and bad attention is zero. So Mm -hmm. if they can't get your good attention, they are definitely going to act a zip damn fool. So Mm -hmm. they can get your attention. Bad attention will bring it. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, bad attention or good attention however it may be, may look like a young person smoking weed all day. And you're thinking, oh, well, this young person is just lazy, right? And you're just sick and tired of walking in your house and it's reeking marijuana. And, mm-hmm. you, and, and you walk in the house and all you do is you th- you're throwing out words like you're a pothead, you're a weed head, you ain't gonna be nothing. This ain't about... So it's And then you feed into kind of, they're already and have an emotional deficit, a mental deficit, and now you're adding more to it, right? Yeah. Or 
you know, the young person is like 17, 18, and you're thinking, oh, well, maybe they need a job to contribute to the household because that's the point of everyone's stress is because there's just not enough money, monetary resources or financial resources to spread around to pay a light bill, a gas bill, all these other things. So all these tensions start to brew. And what do young people do? They act out because they don't know how to respond. Right. That's way, that's the truth. You mm-hmm. know, people forget that these grown looking people, full grown, fully developed, their brains are not developed. So they're not able to communicate the same way. My kids will say something to me or somebody will say something to me and I'll, and I'll have to remind them. Remember, I got 63 years worth of experience on your little behind. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm going to act a different way. But when I was 30 or when I was 20 and when I was 10, I acted those ages we have to remember that we have to be really really patient with kids because and I don't care how old your kid is because your kid always needs you and I'm glad you said something really important Janet that right now your 10 and 13 year old need you more we sometimes think that the older they get the less they need us the older they get the more they need us they need that direction they need that that help and that support and that love and we we forget that we think like oh you know you 20 years old all you need is a job a car get out of here and do it but they they're still clueless mm-hmm. right and May so I come in? go ahead oh, yes. go ahead oh no go ahead i want to hear what no, you no, go ahead. Go go ahead. well what i wanted to say well what i wanted to say it's going to be long so i'll go after janet you go ahead and then i'll go girl how long, long is long do. We're not talking about 20 minutes now, right? No. Okay. Okay. Janet, go ahead. No. And so what I was, what I was, was, what I was going to say is that, you know, all of these tensions start to mount up to the point where someone has to leave the house. And oftentimes it's that young person. So either they're leaving the house willingly because the stress is too much in the household, the household stress is too much, or that parent, that caregiver, whoever that that family member is, is kicking or putting that young person out on the street. And so just to give you an example of how that's a part of many stories of young people who, who find themselves on the street, you know, some of the work that we do at Sanctuary Hope is around strengthening family bonds and relationships so that young people can return home. One, because we know there's just not enough beds. Two, it's not safe to have any young person sleeping on the street right now, especially with the rise of violence that's happened, that's happening. And and you're already aware that we've already had um, at least three young people um, who who um, were victims of gun violence. And mm-hmm. so, you know, now is not the time for that. But you know, some of the just little, it's, it's amazing how little tweaks in a family, right, can change the whole atmosphere. Like, if we help a young person get a job, then that means that that young person is active, and they're doing something differently. And maybe they're reducing all of those kind of negative behaviors that are irritating. I'm going to use the word irritating to the household, because that's a word that's often use comfortably when talking about um young people or or if it's marijuana 
you know, being able to connect that young person to a therapist to understand why are you self-medicating with, with marijuana? And a lot mm-hmm. of times it's because it's either it's the thing to do, they're doing among their peers, or nobody's at home to say, really say, you can't do that and what those effects are on him or her. Or yeah. yeah, absolutely. So I'm going to bring in Colette. Um, before we bring you in, Colette, I'll remind everyone, if you want to join the conversation, please let me know. Just put it in the chat. And we can bring you in and then I'm going to um, double back and we're going to go back to this conversation about being on the street. So Colette, what you got to say? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I was listening to what Janet was saying and Candy, when you and I met probably a decade ago, I think we also somehow connected when I was working at YOU mm-hmm. and Youth Opportunities Unlimited in LA mm-hmm. school that had a population of three to 400 students who were considered bad students, uh, students with disabilities, students with IEPs, all kinds of labels were put onto those kids. But the one thing that my sister said to me was all of these kids, all of these babies came from somebody. They got a parent, mm-hmm. every single one of them. They all yeah. have a parent. And Linda Miles made it very clear they didn't get here on their own just like we didn't get here on their own on our own everybody and one of the things that we have to understand is here it is 22 it is 22 and never in my lifetime have I seen so much disconnect and inhumanity the inhumanity to man is absolutely scathing it is it's mind-boggling the only way to correct it is everybody on this planet better break down and get on their knees because the inhumanity is crazy when i was teaching character education and life skills i always talked about where we were even back then technology has taken us to a level where lives don't matter the only thing that matters is technology And it doesn't matter how we interact with one another. What matters is how we send an email, how we send a text message. We're using all caps or we use a different colored ink and nobody wants to say that. You can't do that sending an email. When you use all caps in a, right, in a text message, that means you're yelling. Well, wait a minute, you didn't hear me yell. You saw me use a capital H-I-T. Okay, that doesn't mean I'm yelling. That just means I forgot to take the caps lock off. Okay. So we don't communicate anymore. Mm -hmm. We now live in a society where everything is based on technology. People haven't changed. People haven't changed. People are born the same way. Babies are conceived and born the same way today as they were in 1900. But what we have done is we decided that we are a more advanced society. And we gave up humanity. We don't need humanity. We need technology. So we give a kid an iPad. We give them a phone. We give them something digital, something technical. That'll save them. That'll keep them. They'll be okay. Give them a phone. Give them an iPad. Give them this. Look at where we are. Look at where we are today, 22. And we've lost kids. 
we have lost humanity. And it's not, and I'm telling you, it really isn't that important. The number of kids that we've lost, it's not that important. If it were important, school districts would be saying we're losing too many kids. We're losing too it, many it's, kids. it's all about the money. Um, and not only is it about the money, but Every bit about the money. It's, it's also about we've lost um, the ability to connect in a, in a really yes. intimate way, like yes. with the destruction of the family. With yes. the destruction of the family has really exactly. challenged us because people are giving kids cell phones and tablets to entertain them instead of actually talking to them. That's right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's and, I, right. And, I, and, I, and I think, you know, what Miss um, Williams and, and Candy, what, what you both said, I just wanted to reflect back. Each and every time we do a focus group with young people, when they identify, especially young people who without homes, if you ask them, what are your top three priorities? If you're assuming that housing is their top priority, it's never, it's never number one. No. The number one request that they always say in every focus group is that they need people. People with whom they can have relationships with. People who could mentor them. People that they could bounce ideas off of or people who could be a sounding board. People, 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 people. So that's why communication becomes critically important because if we're not if we're not offering those interpersonal transactions then our our young people are doomed mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh absolutely it, and look it, at where they are right now look mm-hmm. at where they are now and we have to bring it back to that as you said Jenna we we have to do the little love languages like my love language mm-hmm. is time and attention Money, right. that's nice. Presents are nice, but it's it's the time and the attention for me. And mm-hmm. so, as an adult needing time and attention, we know our kids do because the the reason most kids have such low self esteem is because no one is talking to them, no one is spending the time with them, no one is encouraging them, no one is telling them, "Baby, you know what? You are all right." We have this workshop where we talk to people and especially youth who are dealing with trauma. And they always say, well, you know what? I'm not shit. I'm not, I'm not. And I have to tell them, baby, you are not your experiences. That's what happened to you. That's not who you are. And Mm -hmm. so unless we have someone that could really engage with them and talk with them and share it, then they, they're going back home. They're fussing, they're fighting. They're getting high. They're angry all the time. And then, you know, you're going to have somebody else at home, the grown-up who's buffing up, like, you're not going to be up in here talking this shit to me. And then next thing you know, somebody is leaving, and you're right, it's the kids. And what happens when the kid gets on the street? You got a child, because I don't care how old they are, if they're dealing with that, emotionally, they are children. Physically, they might look adults, but children, they're emotionally children. Mm-hmm. And they also have no way to provide for themselves. And if they have no way to provide for themselves, and I'm talking about financially, then they are, they're left to whatever somebody wants to do for them. And mm-hmm. every time somebody wants to do something for a kid, they're not doing it out the goodness of their heart. 
Right. There's always an exchange. There's mm-hmm. an exchange for everything. And it's, and it's usually, um, you know, we used to say back in the day, I'm going to say it, uh, was cash, grass, or ass. Um, <laughs> and it's usually for kids, it's always that mm-hmm. third. Mm-hmm. It's always a sexual change, exchange, in order for you to stay here, for you to eat here, for me to help you. And so now we got kids being turned out and being trafficked or coming mm-hmm. up missing and we never see them again. Mm-hmm. So how does that or, or 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 you have or you have young people entering into what I call survival marriages where they get married thinking that someone is going to take care of them just to end up either in a, a, a an abusive relationship for one right. or to be trafficked by the same person that they got married to. Right. <laughs> You know, right. and people right. people don't think like, oh, that don't happen. Happens uh, all day, all the time. And when all we talk time. about black people, um, we did a survey. We did a survey back in, I think it was 2016. And from 2009 to 2016, we tracked the kids, and these are just like regular kids. So we thought, and like 92 percent of them said that they had been propositioned to uh for sex and we're talking about as young as 10 years old kids having sex and we're also talking about kids as young as in the fifth grade being sexually assaulted at home by those that were supposed to love them and so that's another reason how they got on these streets our kids are dealing with so much pain and mm-hmm. anger and trauma, and then people want to know why you got an attitude. And this mm-hmm. is stuff that that we didn't deal with when we were this young. We didn't deal with this kind of stuff. This, nope. and even though this stuff, it's not new. This right. is not how we grew up. Okay, I'm gonna say this. That's how. Up. That's how a lot of us didn't grow up, but a lot mm-hmm. of people did. You As know, I think. Of, yeah, but I, not, I think by and large. By and large, well, we didn't. I think a lot of times um, that it's true. A lot of us didn't, and it didn't happen as much, but it did happen. But because of this old devil uh, social media and the internet, this is a very prevalent and prominent problem. But in the 60s, it happened. In the 70s, it happened. In the 80s, it happened, but it is more now. And especially with the war on drugs, with the um, with with angel dust being the precursor to the main drug mm-hmm. of crack cocaine, which took, and I keep saying this, and I'm gonna keep saying this, that crack cocaine did something that nothing in the world, in the history of the world could do, and that's to take black women away from our children. Sure, yeah. you always had like a couple, but we walked away in mass because that drug got hold of us. And um, Carmen Taylor Jones, I love Carmen Taylor Jones. She's one of my friends. She says something really deep today. And it it really, uh, it brings light to what you're talking about, Janet, with Mm -hmm. these kids on the street. And we don't want them out there now. That we have food deserts, but we are artillery rich. So not only are we artillery rich, we are drug rich. How is it all the bad shit come up to the community and we don't have any uh, gun factories or any bullet factories. We mm-hmm. don't have any drug factories in South Central LA and in Inglewood yep. or Watts or Compton, but yep. it show, shows up here. 
bigger and badder than any place else. And, and that's because that's because we're not supposed to do that. We're supposed to be on the other end of that. We're we're told that we can't be the manufacturer of that, but we sure we surely can be the recipient of that. Our community receives the bullets. We don't create the bullets. We are the receiver of the bullets. So when you look at those things and you look at people saying what we're not doing, back to what we said in the very beginning, back to what you said, Candy, and the destruction of the family. Listen to the music. Listen to all of the things that are happening in our communities. And unfortunately, we don't have enough people who are stepping up saying enough is enough. No, we don't I have think- it. I, we have some, we just don't have the resources. And what, what we what we do have is we have um, this big business that won't stop and say, just like they won't stop and say that 45 ain't president. They don't want to say that, um, you know, we, we should not have guns. We should not have people on the music uh, in a song saying, uh, give home chick. Uh, some drugs so that I could rape her. They, we don't uh, want to say things like, you know what? Let's invest instead of investing. Wait, let me let me stop for a minute. Let me say this. I read an article yesterday um, that there's on the ballot for South San Francisco that there's going to be um, um, they're going to put on the ballot where they will pay teachers. $70,000 a year to teach class. And they will also give free um, free schools, free schooling for all elementary, middle school, and high school kids in South San Francisco. And so instead of paying teachers minimum wage and giving them a hard time and also providing for parents that are just doing their very best to take care of themselves, they're going to do this experiment. So let's do the same thing. Let's let's like let us figure out how can we have healthy conversations, healthy relationships. How can we help families provide for themselves and to eliminate some of the conflict? And conflict does come up because I can't pay my bills. If so I can't pay my and, and and it's how do you give parents more time too, right? right. Not but, but, even parents, but whatever the however that household structure is, how do you how do you allow for more time for family bonding and and um, family strengthening? And how so do what we teach that? Yeah, so how 70000 so that all kids can go to school, I, I'm lost. They're going to pay teachers 70000 and what They're going to pay uh, uh, elementary and middle school teachers $70,000 a year to teach school. Instead so why does it have to be on the ballot? Huh? Oh, they want to raise the salary. Yes, so making a minimum wage, making a yeah. yes, because right now it's it's pretty much a little bit above minimum wage. Mm-hmm. And even if you think okay, um, somebody is making let's say twenty five dollars an hour, that's fifty thousand a year. But that doesn't include all of the expenses. That doesn't include taxes. So by the time you finish, and and if you're a teacher, you also have to provide for everything in your class. You're looking at thirty thirty five thousand a year. They you're poor. You're poor. Mm-hmm. You can't have no kids. You can't own a house. <laughs> you can't even own a car. But back to the family, Jana, mm-hmm. you're absolutely right. How do we 
build time to, for families to have open, honest communication without feeling like they're under attack by someone. To well, how do you get parents to be parents when they're still kids? You well, got it's okay to have babies. Remember, we say it's okay to have babies. It's okay to have babies that's 15, 16, 17 years old. They don't know anything about being a parent. They haven't even graduated from kiddery. So you cannot be a kid and a parent at the same time. So well, how well, I, well, I always say that you have to make room for it. I mean, to be quite honest, you really do. I mean, we 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 engage with young young families and some of them are under the age of 18 as well as newly parents that are 18 years old and to be quite I mean and this is just my own opinion that they they have to have the best of both the best of both worlds in a sense that you have to allow the young person to develop into who they are going to be and to develop with a support system a strong support system because if we build stronger children, that means we're going to build stronger families. We build stronger families, we build stronger neighborhoods. We build stronger neighborhoods, we build stronger communities. So, I mean, that's how I see it as a part of the work that we do. And believe me, there has been a, a um, I believe it's a 26% increase of young parents or young families experience or experiencing a, you know, a homeless situation or being without a home situation. And that's something that's on the rise. And a lot of it has to do with home economics. How much, how much resources is readily available in the household to sustain? You know what? I think you're absolutely right. And I always reflect on one of my students at Crenshaw High School back in 2016, Treasure, who was 13 years old. And she came from Audubon to Crenshaw, pregnant. And she had her baby at 13 years old. She then turned 14. She and her mother were pregnant at the same time. Oh, wow. Treasure was, her mother was 32, I think, 30 or 32. And Treasure's baby was born in February. Her mother's baby was born in April. Treasure, could no, Treasure couldn't spell the word parent. So it was, it was di- very difficult for me to allow Treasure to go about her daily routine at Crenshaw High School when every time I saw her, she was no more prepared to be that baby's mother than she was prepared to fly to the moon. So... It, it was a challenge for me, even when I worked at YOU and people would say, come here and let me see that big belly. Girl, aren't you cute? That is not cute. That is not cute at 16 years old and you don't know which way is up and you can't spell parent. That's not cute. So, but see, but, but Colette, we gotta, let's take the, let's take the onus off of the girl being pregnant. Let's, let's put it on how do we educate because we're not going to stop kids from having sex or becoming pregnant. Also, let me just bring up the fact that a lot of times, and I'm listening to this story about treasure, I'm thinking sounds like abuse somewhere, 13-year-old no, girl. No, 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 no. It was her mother left her and her friend in the house. And the mother went to Lancaster Palmdale, and she left those two in the house. 
And when Treasure told me, I said, Treasure. So you and your friend were in the house and you guys were just messing around and you wanted to see what that was like. And she said, yeah, Treasure. And because I asked her how that happened and she shrugged her shoulders and told me she didn't know how it happened. And I said, well, let me tell you, I know how it happened. But this goes back to educating our children and yes. educating our parents and not putting the putting the, the the onus and the responsibility on a 15, 13 year old child. We have to really we have to have a wraparound program and wraparound services where we are supporting the parent who does not know. We're mm-hmm. supporting the child who does not know. We're mm-hmm. supporting that their child. Because we've got to figure out how can we help this parent be a parent who's going to raise a child. Because then we're looking at generational, the generational curses. And so we have to really, we have to have more organizations such as Sanctuary Hope. Um, I see Tiffany is on the line and Tiffany has programs as well. Benny, I see you just popped up here. Did I you have right something there in the corner? Did you want to join in? You want to bring in some <laughs> conversation? We only have 11 minutes left in this rich conversation. We could go on for a couple of hours. Uh, so, can so, I bring something? What you bringing, Miss Tiffany? I just know y'all talking about young people. But I do want to say, um, I'm handing over my my youth advisory board to a new advisory group coordinator over at LASA. Hmm. But there is a group of 12 lived ex- people with uh, lived experience in homelessness that serve on an advisory board. What is LASA <clears throat> they, for people who don't know? Explain oh, LASA is the Los Angeles... Quick. The Los Angeles Homeless Services Authority, they're a joint power between the city and the county with the aim to end homelessness. They get mm-hmm. funding and contract with homeless service providers, et cetera. Okay. So what has happened is that they applied for a grant, a HUD grant, and got $15 million to revamp the youth homeless service system make adjustments, do it big, whatever they decide, right? Mm-hmm. So LASA has been meeting with, you know, providers and people with lived experience trying to come up with this plan by March 22nd that they have to turn into hood. And so because this is a group of people interested in young people, I just want to be sure you all know that that is happening and that meetings are taking place probably a couple of times a week yes we're all fully aware tiffany and three of our young people are actually on your high plus okay great um i i but i think if we really wanted to tell a story about that i wouldn't want to do that on the radio but i could just tell you it's been um i'll tell you offline but there's okay, a story. So. There's a, there's a, a real huge story to tell behind that. Okay, well we can I'm, talk. But I just want to be sure that um, that you all are are involved because your voice matters in coming up with a plan on how to help the youth in a way that you know they have not been getting helped. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that 
the system has Vinny, I want you to come in just one second. I'm glad that the systems are now acknowledging people with lived experience where before they were pushed off in the corner and told, shut up, sit down. You don't know what's good for you. Mm-hmm. And so Vinny, what you have to say? And so Vinny, speak- first, can you tell us who you are? Uh, I'm Vinny. I work with the Alliance for Children's Rights and the TAY program. We work with 16 and 25-year-old foster youth and probation youth. I have definitely accessed Janet's services <laughs> and annoyed her as much as I can to get my <laughs> kids in there and to keep them. Um, real quick, the national numbers for, for homelessness estimate that 40 to 50% of the people that are homeless have come out of foster care. Mm-hmm. There's as many as a thousand youth leaving foster care in LA County. There's not enough beds for them. So to piggyback on what More. Tiffany said, part of any plan, and I, I, I definitely support her in going to the board of supervisors, going to the mayor of LA, Long Beach, whatever city you live in, mm-hmm. and if there's going to be money available, stop all this nonsense of trying to do studies and committees. To bring <laughs> some more beds to the city and county of LA. Stop telling me that you have no beds for a 21-year-old who has lost mm-hmm. the support of their family. Regardless mm-hmm. of how it's happened, right. let's get them more beds in this city and county. And let's put it out, if you're going to talk about a community, it's mostly black and brown kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that's the real talk. Let me just bring this up. I just did this um, proposal, and it says, according to the Los Angeles Homeless Service Authority, LASA, Black people make up 9% of the population of L.A. County. We know that. But more than a third, that's 34% of the population that experiences homelessness. And in 2020, 39% of Black youth experience homelessness. 39% of Black youth, when we only make up 9% of the damn population. That's well, but, ridiculous. But if you do- if you dive deeper into that, you will see that black and brown youth are more than 90% of the homeless population yeah. across the board here within Los Angeles County. And, and even that, and even that's a story in itself, yes. because as we're talking about developing resources and putting together plans, there's a huge barrier. And that barrier is creating wholly community-driven planning based on our evidence and practices and and as i mean i'm very thankful believe me i'm very thankful that los angeles was selected as a part of the the youth demonstration project the challenge is going to be is how do you really create a plan that's really community driven that's evidence by the community when you have a coordinated entry system that screens out more black and brown youth than it screens them into resources. Even when we talk about a young, just to give you as an extor- a quick story to tell, if you are a foster youth, right? And you've ended up, say for example, you this is your first time ending up on the street. If you can't score high enough to qualify for a resource, you're not going to get that resource, right? Unless that agency in which you may have referred that young person to has other resources outside of the coordinated entry system. So there's a lot of challenges that are systemic as it relates to that. And it's fixing a lot of those systemic problems 
first or making fixing the systemic problems a part of the planning. And right now, to be quite honest, all of us, we need beds. A lot of us don't have time to talk. We're stuck in COVID. You know, I lost, you know, literally a third of my staff due to a, you know, a COVID vaccine mandate. Staff are in and out due to COVID. So sometimes we're at full capacity, sometimes we're at 50% capacity. So all of those things, you know, are, are, are pressing on us right now with housing, of course, being the number one resource and fixing some of these systemic issues as it relates to who gets service. I mean, who and how people get services is another Systematic systematic racism is alive and well. Oh, absolutely. Oh, did you think it wasn't? Did you think it took it disappeared just because of COVID? Uh no. No. It, it nobody was, said that. No. I, I, I think Colette, I think the issue is in this whole new era where everyone is touting racial equity, right? That we're all moving towards this this goal of righting wrongs and 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 depending on how you you view racial equity, you know, I have a racial liberation lens. It depends on how I mean, in this era where this is so there's this hope, right, that there's going to be this change, this 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 disruption of systemic racism. But the only way that's going to happen is if disruptors are the if disruptors are at the table. And disruptors have to come to the table, but not only do disruptors have to come to the table, but they cannot come to the table with their own agenda. Absolutely. They cannot have their own agenda. And that's what we have seen before folks with their Mm -hmm. own agenda and it does not benefit the entire community so folks with their own agenda they make it clear but it's 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 glazed over and we don't get anywhere and And on that note colette i'm sorry to cut Hmm. you off we have two minutes left i do want to take the time um I want to take the time to say thank you to everyone. Vinny, I'm so glad you joined us. Well, happy um, to see Vinny too. <laughs> I never I don't I don't think I met you before, Vinny, have I? I've seen you before. I don't I don't know if we've met. <laughs> okay, yeah. so listen, for those of you who have never seen me, I am Candy Lewis and I'm CEO of Positive Results Center. And you can find us at PRC123.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Positive Results uh, Center, our PRC. Um, But I really want to take a moment. Benny, tell us again who you were with. I work for the Alliance for Children's Rights. Okay, and I'm saying, I know I heard about your organization. So go ahead. I'm sorry. So if if there's youth that need assistance in their Tay youth, that public council and the Alliance of Children's Rights are two legal advocacy organizations that can help youth advocate in a variety of ways. Thank you so much. And so Janet, uh, just put in that information in the chat. Janet, go ahead and, and close us out and tell us who you are and okay. how people can reach you. And thank you so much for joining me, my friend. Thank you. So 
those who can reach, if you want to reach out to Sanctuary of Hope, I just say visit our website. Our website is www.thesoh.org. And once again, that's www.thesoh.org. And one other last plug is that Sanctuary of Hope has a number of positions that's open. We are looking to hire people who love and have a passion to work with young people and to work with partners within our community. Thank you so much. I thank everyone who joined us this evening. This has been a dope conversation. We only have an hour far too short. We need about four hours so we can really have this conversation. But I thank you all. Y'all be blessed. Please take care. Be safe. And be sure when you look at a kid to look at them, smile and say, how you doing today? Because you don't even know how many times someone has passed them by, turned their head, and said, mm, I'm not dealing with you. Okay, remember that the, the biggest and the greatest of them is love. All right. Take Thank care. you all.